0: And talking about some things that hopefully will be helping you or has helped you. If you don't have one of our outlines, slip up your hands and our ushers will get you one. There's one found in each guest packet as well. There's some fill in the blanks. Um, You can kind of track with me. Sometimes I get a little excited and talk fast. And it just helps you slow me down just a little bit. So, hey, if this is your first time here with us today, we're delighted that you have chosen to spend part of your Sunday with us. And We're honored that you're here. If you're looking for a church home, we'd love to have you. Metro Believers Church is comprised of a bunch of people who love the Lord, want to grow in Him, and are, we call ourselves the not-so-perfect church, just so you know, okay? Um, so we do life together, and we're challenged by God's Word every day of our lives. I want to welcome the live stream, those who are watching in our live, our online campus, uh, let's give them a hand as they join us. We know several people are watching right now across the, the state as well as the nation. So thanks for joining us. Um, last week, hey, Vicky and I were in the Twin Cities, um, helping one of our um, daughter churches, if you will. Uh, you ever have a daughter that sort of just outgrew you like crazy? Um, you know, maybe some of the older folks, not in terms of size, you know. Um, but you could just see there was just an incredible growth. And they were doing better than you were And so, uh, in some ways. Um, so we were able to go over to the Twin Cities and see our daughter church, uh, the church that we helped sponsor when they planted uh, about 15 years ago to celebrate A, their 15th year anniversary in the Twin Cities, and B, to help dedicate their second campus called uh, Historic Wesley. It's a 127-year-old building, has some phenomenal roots and um, experiences over, you know, the last 127 years, and they were able to buy that building and um, renovate it, bring it up to speed in a lot of ways, but yet maintain some of that old style and that historic perspective. And we were able to be there with them as they dedicated that building. So... Um, it's just a joy to see uh, your kids do well. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And uh, Peter and Carol and the pastors of uh, Substance Church are kind of Vicki Nice uh, kids, spiritually speaking. They consider us uh, their spiritual mom and dad, and so it was a joy. Lance, great job. Last Sunday. Come on, let's give it up for Lance. Yeah. So Lance, Lance talked about gospel-centered parenting. If you weren't here, I would highly encourage you to go online and watch that tape, um, that uh, recording. I think, if, especially if you're in that zone right now of parenting, um, raising your kids, or perhaps you're in that zone of grandkids, like we are. Uh, matter of fact, Vicky and I are gonna be meeting with our granddaughter in just about an hour, hour and a half yet. Yeah, they're driving um, to Madison to spend time with Papa and Nana, yeah. Just, just for the day. Isn't that exciting? Amen. Love it. Um, but if you're in one of those zones, um, that gospel-centered parenting might just help you. And even though we're talking about family and marriage, um, parenting, all that kind of stuff, if, even if you're not married, um, chances are someday you will be. Um, and if you don't decide to be, that's fine. Um, chances are some of these principles, principles will translate and to everyday relationships, and just life in general. So, are you ready to talk about God's Word with respect to family? As I mentioned a few weeks ago, family life for a lot of people doesn't look very good right now. As a matter of fact, it doesn't seem to be working out all that well. Marriages, even Christian marriages, uh, seem to be under an extreme attack. And if you're like me, I believe you are, and you hate to see that. Uh, it breaks my heart when I know someone and I've, I've seen them, uh, you know, get married and sort of start to develop their lives. And, and it just breaks my heart as we watch families uh, around us be strategically dismantled by the enemy. How many of you know that just breaks our heart? How many of you breaks your heart to see that? when you 've known someone or you 've walked with someone and and all of a sudden you see them sort of going in directions like uh, Ashley Page was talking about on the video this morning, sort of making different choices and and moving towards things that are destructive. Christian families are experiencing chaos and conflict at an unprecedented pace, and the only way I think that we deal with that, the only way that we change it is to actually hit it head on and not just sort of stick our heads in the sand, so to speak. Amen? So I believe God wants to build strong and vibrant marriage relationships. I believe he wants to build some strong and vibrant family units. Amen? Um, Kids, grandkids, moms, dads, all sorts of things. But as I said two weeks ago, the number one question is, The number one question is, is we need to resolve this, who is actually building your house? Who's actually building your home? Who is, who is, you know, when, when people oftentimes go in to buy a house, um, they did this, we just sold our house and are moving down the street, Um, they, one of the first questions they asked their realtor was, who is the builder? Who is the builder? (laughs) And that's the truth that, that's my question to you today perhaps as a husband or a wife, um, who's building, who's the builder? Who's building your house? Who's building your marriage? Who's building your relationships? The Bible tells us in Psalm 197, um, verse 1 out of the the NLT, it says, unless the who? Everyone say it together. Unless the what? Who? Lord. Lord builds a house, the work of the builders, who's the builder, is wasted. In other words, it's a waste of time to build something without God. Amen? How many of you found that out by now? It's a waste of time. The builder, the builder that's building it without God's help is wasting their time. And so today we're going to continue to build a strong foundation on the idea or the concept that great marriages are no accident, it's not it's not about Mr. and Mrs. Wright, you know, sort of walking down the aisle together and everything just works out perfect from then on out. You know, they're out. Right? It's not about that. How many of you know that by now? That that maybe you thought that was you and your spouse to be or intended. And then you got into life a little bit and you started facing some of the challenges and the difficulties of life, and before you know it, you start to realize that great marriages are no accident. It's not like, you know, we just happen to slide into the perfect situation. And uh, because of that, we're going to have just this awesome, ooh, you know, marriage, right? It's not going to happen that way. It doesn't happen that way. And so several years ago, Vicky and I, Vicki and I, and I said this two weeks ago, we had a decision to make. You know, we had a decision to make. She, you know, she kept messing up and getting in arguments and you know, stuff like that, you know, and <laughs> uh, we kept, we kept messing up, you know, and we had, we, we were faced, you know, we were studying the Bible, we were going to church, we were reading the Word, right? We, we you know, we were doing our thing as a Christian, and, you know, it just wasn't quite working out, like we thought, and we had a decision to make. Were we going to just continue to fight and destroy each other? Or were we going to put God's Word actually into practice? And uh, I'm not going to go into all that detail I did two weeks ago. If you weren't here, please go online and watch that. Uh, put the God's Word into practice, because I talked about that what that looks like in Matthew 7. Were we going to put God's Word into practice... And become a doer of god 's word, and change everyone say change, change. and change our marriage landscape yes. and we had a decision to make, and every single couple, every single person that 's sitting here today you have a, you have a decision to make. Are you going to just sort of come and go and let god 's word just sort of you know wash over you and never really do anything with it, or are you going to put it into Practice. We all have that decision to make. You see, if, if we are not totally intentional about making changes in every dimension of our life, I'm not just talking about marriage or raising your family, I'm talking about every dimension of life that you and I have. If you're not intentional about making the necessary changes, it will never happen. It's not like somebody just waves a magic wand over your head and it just happens, Right? Because more of the same will not bring change, as we discovered a couple weeks ago. More, more is the definition of insanity. When we just, you know, continue to do what we've always done and expect something different to happen. And so I want to encourage you not to continue to make excuses for the way your marriage or your family or your relationships look or your relationship with God those of you that are single. But to actually make changes. Don't make excuses. Stop making excuses and start making changes. And so today I wanna to talk about some basic principles I think that will help you in every area and I think it will add value to your life. Are you guys ready? Two weeks ago we left off with the farming principle that applies to marriage. We talked about that. I told a story, I won't tell it again, about the farmer who bought this horrible looking property, but we found out that there were three principles, I think, that, that were incorporated there that, that apply to our marriage, and that was just simply hard work, commitment, and sacrifice. If you're, if you're going to have a great marriage, Vicky and I found this out over the last, how many years? five days, she says. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, five days. So yeah, um, hard work. If you're going to have a great marriage, Vicky and I found this out years and years ago. Uh, we've been married 43 years. We've been together 45 years, and um, we can't wait for another 45 years. <laughs> Amen. Uh, yeah. So you do the math, right? Um, so hard work. Everyone say hard work commitment say commitment, commitment. and sacrifice. Sac- sacrifice sacrifice see hard work the bible actually says the hand of the diligent will prosper in other words god's for god god's for hard work did you hear me yeah. god's for hard work so you know the, the whole idea behind hard work is you really really give it your best shot say uh, commitment. It's, it, it's, I like to say it's stick to itness. okay? It's, it, it's not, you know, bailing out like the video, like Ashley Page talked about in the video when things get a little rough. It's sticking with it, no matter what it looks like or how difficult it becomes. And then the whole idea of sacrifice, the word sacrifice literally means, literally means to give up something of value for the sake of something more valuable, sacrifice in your marriage relationship. Let's look at this Bible verse in the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, or excuse me, chapter 2 and verse 18. It's in your notes. Uh, If you'd like to take your apps and go there as well, that'd be great. If you'd like to turn in your Bible, if you have a paper Bible, does anyone have one like that in here today? Look at this. I love it. I love it. Yeah, paper Bibles. Yeah, that's that's novel. <laughs> no, it's good, right? It's great to underline stuff in your Bible. Genesis two eighteen, God said some things, and one of the things He said was, "It's not good." Now you have to remember, this is on the heels of God creating, you know, the sky and Him saying it was good. God creating the waters, right, and the fish and the sea, and God said, "What? It's good." And God created the birds and all the different things that we know and see. And God said it was what? Good. good. And then in verse uh, chapter two and verse eighteen, um, we see the first time in history that God said it wasn't good. The Lord God said it's what? It's not good for what? For man to be alone. In other words, He said it's not good. For Ken Marvel to be alone. Right. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create a Mary Marvel suitable for him. Right? right. Amen. 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 Ken and Mary, how long have you been married? Thirty-two. years. All right. And you have, what, 18 or 19 kids? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Somebody once said, uh, you know, Ken, you must like kids. And he said, no, I like my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry sorry. <laughs> so let's move right on, okay? <laughs> so research, research, it's getting hot in here. I'm sweating. Uh, research actually shows that men don't do very well when they're alone. Did you know that? Right. Yeah. I mean, they, the research shows that they don't eat as well. And it's the truth, man. If, if my wife wasn't in the picture, I would be so skinny or so heavy, you know, because I just don't eat well. You know, my wife will come home and she'll ask me, what did you eat? <laughs> did you have lunch? So I'm like one of her kids, you know. And of course, the answer typically is, I forgot. And, uh, you know, and, or I was extremely busy and it never even crossed my mind. She, does anyone know what I'm talking about? Has anyone ever done that before? Maybe me, just me. Okay. So they don't eat as well. Um, research also shows that they don't, check this out, they don't dress as well. They don't dress as well. And I can't tell you how many times, uh, and Vicki was a little questionable on this this morning, um, but we just went ahead with it. We went with it, but they don't dress as well. Oftentimes my wife, I'll come out of the closet, you know, dressed, and my wife will say, you know, get back in there. <laughs> You're not going out of the house like that, right? Um, and and the other thing is, is they don't they don't live as long. Did you know that men that are alone? Um, Sebastian, we need to get you hooked up. Okay, <laughs> so, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> they they don't live as long. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, married men live an average of five years longer than those that are single. This is research. So. Proverbs 18.22 tells us a little bit about this. It says, he who finds a what? A wife wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. That's a great verse, and and a verse that I hooked on to, like, in 1978, where I started to read stuff, and I, I saw that verse, and I thought, man, whoever finds a wife finds a good thing, or one translation says, a good thing and receives favor from the Lord. Well, in 1978, how many of you weren't even born yet? Let me see your hands. Wow. So, so just, just pretend here for a second. Just imagine, 1978. Yeah, I know. Um, 1978, I wasn't so sure I'd found a good thing. <laughs> you know, I was like, I know, I know, I'm, I'm going there, Okay. <laughs> My wife's waving her finger at me. Um, so Vicky and I, let me just set this up. We, we actually, you know, surrendered our life to the Lord in 1976, and uh, we expected to have this supernatural, phenomenal, incredible, great marriage just because we were Christians. And... Uh, Yeah, for real. And so for the next few, you know, little did we know for the next few years, we would find us actually both fighting, trying to prove each other wrong. It was an extremely difficult start, just so you know. I mean, for those of you, listen to me, for those of you that are going through some really difficult years, there is hope for you. Did you hear me? There's hope for you. Vicki and I, we have a phenomenal marriage today, but we, we had our our years. <laughs> we had our years when things were not well, where they weren't good. Um, we were having a difficult start for a few years, and it was, it was pretty ugly. If, you, if, if we had recorded some of that stuff and you saw it today, you wouldn't believe we were the same people. And... I'll never forget one day I was having one of my, you know, hissy fits. Anyone ever had a hissy fit? Let me see your hand. For those of you that don't know what a hissy fit is, um, it is when you just come unglued because you're so upset, okay? And I was having one of those hissy fits in our garage. I can see myself standing in the exact spot right now in my mind. That's how vivid it is. And I was working on my Ford Econo line, a van. Does anyone know what those are? Yeah. Uh-huh. And I was doing something to it, and I can remember throwing tools, you know, and, and just sort of complaining about the woman that God gave me. And, uh, and I was, you know, talking about all her problems and all, you know, all her inconsistencies and all her failures. And, you know, I had this laundry list of complaints you know, about the woman that God gave me. And to my amazement and surprise, the Lord spoke to me and gave me this like inward, pres- in- inward impression of uh, what he was trying to con- communicate to me and convince me of. And this is what I sensed him say, Glenn, she's not the problem, you are. Yeah. And I said, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. <laughs> That can't be the Lord, you know. Yeah, so she, I I felt like the Holy Spirit said, Glenn, she's not the problem. You are. You are. You're the problem. Well, needless to say, I didn't want to hear that. I, I didn't want to hear that. And, you know, I was shocked. I was offended. I was hurt. You know, I was like, what? What do you mean? I mean, here's what I sensed the Holy Spirit said, here's the deal. Your job is to love her like I love the church. So she's not the problem, you are, see? And uh, needless to say, I didn't want to hear what I was supposed to be doing. I wanted her to hear what she was supposed to be doing. And I, if I needed to, I wanted to be the one to tell her. <laughs> Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I wanted her to know and do what she was supposed to be doing. And I thought it was my job to tell her that she was supposed to be submitted to me. Because, because the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, said that. And I, I, you know, I'm the husband. I'm the papa, you know. And so, you see, I was really a spiritual bully trying to flex my spiritual muscles and intimidate my wife into getting my own way truth be told because that's that verse that I just mentioned is preceded by a verse in chapter 5 verse 21 that says can we read that together out loud submit to one another out of reverence for Christ notice there's a mutual submission here and then And then it goes on to describe how we actually submit to one another. But see, my favorite verse in 1978 was wives, verse 22, submit. And I I love that word for some reason. You know, it was just back in that time, that was a big word. And, And wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And so, so you know, that was, that was, that's the Bible, you know. And, and so, uh, how many of you know it's not polite to read somebody else's mail? I don't know how, how you do it at your house, but when mail comes, if it doesn't have my name on it, I don't open it. Now maybe you do it differently, but but you know, it when when mail comes and it has Vicky's name on it, I let her open it. I put it on the counter and she opens it. If it has my name on it, sometimes I open it. <laughs> it's just like my paycheck. I never see it. <laughs> it's, you know, it just it just goes into the in the into the bank, right? But here's the deal. Here's the deal. I was reading verse 22 and verse 23 and verse 24 When I should have been reading verse what? Verse 25. Because that's to me. Amen? This verse 25 is to me. Why? Because I'm the husband. I don't know if you noticed or not, but I'm not the wife. Just so you know, okay? I'm the husband. And so this is to me. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And gave himself up for her. See, that's, my, that's to me, that's God's word to me. And that's what I sense the Holy Spirit saying to me Glenn, she's not the problem, you are. Because I was reading the wrong verse, I was reading somebody else's mail. And this is a revelation that saved our marriage. That whole idea of focusing in on what God has called me to do and being committed to it 100% regardless of what she does. Did you hear me? See, when you make a decision, some people live their lives in, in, in marriage as a 50-50 proposition. You know, you do your part and I'll do mine. But how many of you know that doesn't work? How many of you know that dog won't haunt? as they say down south. Yeah. Okay. Because chances are there's going to be seasons of your life that the other person's not going to do their 50%. What are you going to do then? See, that's what causes the wheels to come off. Right. That's what causes marriages to fail. That, that's what causes heartbreak hill to happen in marriages like we're seeing all around us when you don't have a hundred percent mentality. And that was the revelation that saved our marriage back in 1978 in my garage visitation from heaven was God spoke to me and said, she's not the problem you are. And God said this, he said quit focusing on what she is supposed to be doing and focus on what you are supposed to be doing. And listen to this, and everything will fall into divine order. Did you know there's a divine order in the home? Amen? But it doesn't happen by you trying to tell everyone where they're missing the boat. It happens when you make a decision 100% of the time to fulfill what God has called you to do in the position that you find yourself in. See, husbands... We are likened unto Christ in the analogy or the metaphor, and we initiate love. See, Christ loved us and went to the cross way before we ever responded. And in the, in the, analo- in, in the analogy or the metaphor, the wife is likened unto the church, and they respond to that love. Now look at, look at how you respond to Christ because he initiates the love and he went to the cross and he gave his life for us. How many of you are glad for that? And because of that, we have responded to that love. So real quick, let me give you three very important truths to building a strong marriage. Proverbs 24 verses three and four says this, by wisdom, underline that, a house is built. And through understanding, it is established. Underline that word, understanding. And through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Underline that word, knowledge. There's three things, I think, that Vicky and I found years ago that have to happen if you're going to have a, just an incredible marriage. First of all, knowledge. That's the missing blank there. Which is the gathering of truth or facts that's what knowledge is. Second, understanding. I'm losing my voice for some reason. And that is the illumination or revelation of those facts, which comes through meditation. And third is wisdom. Wisdom. Check this out. It's the proper application of that truth. So years ago, Vicky and I started to realize that we didn't have the knowledge base that we needed To have a great marriage. Why? Because the only models that we had ever seen were models of failure, of uh, selfishness, of cheating, of, you know, doing everything you can imagine to hurt the other person, demeaning. That's the only thing we knew. That was the only knowledge we had. And so if we were going to change sort of the marriage landscape, we needed to relearn some things. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? And so so we had to go back to the beginning, back to the basics, if you will, and read and study and get good books on marriage, good Christian books that had a, a great Christian perspective. And we had to really apply ourselves and gather gather some more knowledge other than we currently had. Because if we had just built tried to build our marriage on the, on the knowledge that we had, it wouldn't have gone very well. Because we had no other capacity to do anything different. And so we just started getting good books. I wish I'd brought a bunch of them, but they're all packed. <laughs> you know, on marriage and reading and reading and reading and reading. Can we bring those three up again, Kristen? and reading, the knowledge base. We started to gather knowledge. We started to study the Bible and what it had to say about marriage. We started to read good books. And then we started to get, gain understanding as we meditated on what God's Word said and meditated on some of the things that we were learning that was different than we knew and how we had been you know, raised in our environments. And we started to meditate on those ideas. And then the Holy Spirit started to give us wisdom as we started to ask him for wisdom of how to actually put those pieces together in the the proper application of the truth. That was the Holy Spirit guidance. Listen, you need all three. You need all three, see? If you're gonna change the marriage landscape, if you're gonna change, for those of you that are single, your relational landscape, if you're gonna change your life from some of the old habits to some of the new habits that God wants you to embrace and he wants to transform you with. If, you, if that's gonna happen, you need all three of these. You need to increase your knowledge base. I, when's the last time you read a book or, or the Bible on a specific topic? When's the last time you said, you know what? I need to learn more about this, you fill in the blank. And you started to gain materials and scriptures that would help you understand God's perspective on what that actually looks like. When was the last time you did that? See, Vicky and I knew that we needed to change, but we really didn't know how to make it happen. And so we committed ourselves to all three of these, to knowledge, to understanding, and to wisdom. And then we realized as we were Walking it out, we had to put some things in motion, and that's where this whole idea that you've heard sort of ad nauseum um, came from, sort of the, 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 the simple math formula that simply says information plus application equals what? Transformation. It's the truth. See, you gain, you gain that information. You come to church, or you listen to a podcast, or, or you read a book, or, or you study the Scripture, and you get that information. But if you don't do anything with it, it's not going to change. Why? Because more of the same will not bring change. So, information plus application equals transformation. However, information minus application equals frustration. Say, uh, you talk about frustration. You talk about being frustrated, a Christian that goes to church and just expects things to change because they went to church, but they really never did anything with what they heard. There's a lot of frustrated Christians out there. Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4 out of the Amplified Version. Look at this. I love the way it puts this. Matter of fact, this is the the version that Vicki and I grabbed a hold of back in 1978. Through skillful, think about that. Through skillful and godly wisdom is a house, a life, a home, a family built. And by understanding, it is established on a sound and firm foundation. And by knowledge shall the chambers, each and every one of them, be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. I don't know about you, but I like that. That's what I want in my home. You know, Vicki and I have been married for 43 years, and and we're starting to get a little older, but how many of you know we got a whole lot of living to do? (laughs) And I want our marriage to continue to grow. And get better and I know that it's not going to happen by itself just like the farmer two weeks ago when I talked about that little piece of straw hanging out your mouth saying you should have saw the way it looked when God had it by himself in other words we have to work amen we have to do our part trust God to do his part so here's the deal Uh, I'm going to give you just these perspectives, and then we'll come back next week and develop them further for the sake of time. So there's three perspectives that as I strip things away in our history, Vicki and I's history, and I strip it all back, and I think to myself, what were the three biggest game-changers that really turned our marriage from... Like a zero to zero or, you know, minus five to an eight, nine, hovering around a 10 sometimes. What was the three biggest factors? Does anyone want to know? All right, let's go home. Just forget about it. Yeah. yeah. What were those three? These are the three what we call non-negotiables in our lives, okay? And like I said, I'll just give them to you so you don't have to go home saying, I got blanks, they're not filled in, you know, um, <laughs> if you're OCD like me, okay? So marriage, number one, these are the three perspectives. Marriage is a covenant, not a contract. Now, like I said, I'm not going to develop it right now, okay, um, for the sake of time. Um, second, second, at marriage, God makes the two individual lives into one flesh, okay? And we're going to talk about what that looks like. It's uh, We'll talk about the unity candle and how that symbolizes exactly what I'm talking about next week, okay? And how it can translate into other relationships and just life in general. And the third, and the third perspective, this is the non-negotiable, okay? If you're going to change your marriage landscape, this is another non-negotiable. Here we go. Number three. Our marriage, success or failure, is determined by the seeds that we sow. Okay? Our marriage, success or failure, is determined by the seeds that we sow. And so you can actually predict the kind of marriage that you will have, or fill in the blank, you can actually predict the Whatever. All right? Whatever. Doesn't have to be marriage. Somebody's trying to fill in the blank. shut that off. Is this better? Okay. So, you can actually predict whatever whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through in life, okay, by the seeds that you sow. God set it up this way. <laughs> it was genius. How many, Did you know God's a genius? He's a genius. It was genius the way God set this up. So we're going to talk about those three things. We're going to get right into it first thing next week. I stand to get our feet together, okay, as we close. Can we get the team to come up? So I believe that, that God wants to do something significant in each one of our lives this week. Amen? He wants to sort of take us from here to there, to use a a Bill Hybels phrase, from here to there. And and it may mean different things for each of us. Of course it does. Take us from here to there. How many of you are willing to do whatever it takes to go there with God? Let me see your hands. All right. And without you bowing your heads or any of that kind of stuff, how many would say, there's some things that were mentioned today that I've got to deal with, and I want you to pray for me. Let me see your hands all over the place, almost to a person. And let me see one more um, raising of the hands, and how many of you want God to help you with that? See, that gives God permission, right? When you invite him, that gives God permission to step into that. So let's bow our heads and pray. Father, as Vicky and I have tried to live this thing out, we know it's not been perfect by any way. We have done well at times and not so well at times. But you've always been there to show us the way. God, as we have gathered tools over the years through study, increasing our knowledge and understanding, we've put tools in our toolbox. And I'm so thankful, God, that when we get into a situation where something's broken, just remind us of your love and where that tool is and what it looks like so that we can get back on track with you and with each other God I pray for relationships in this church those that are watching live stream today God I pray for your hand of love and compassion and care to reach down and to touch. God, just like when you walk the face of this earth, Jesus, you touched people and, and things changed. <laughs> Even so much that a person touched the hem of your garment was healed. God, we want that in our lives. We we want that in our marriage. We want that in our families. We want that in in our jobs. We want your hand to be upon us. God, we want change to occur. We want to be transformed. As we renew our mind to the word of God, we want to be transformed. So right now, God, we invite your hand, your touch, your presence your face into our situation and you know what that is right now. Just talk to him about that situation or those situations. God, we invite your hand to come. We invite your presence to come. And we pray, Father, that you would heal those areas of our life. Pray for marriages to be healed. Pray for families to be healed pray for kids and relationships between parents and kids to be healed I pray for wayward kids wayward children wayward teens wayward adults that have chosen to walk away from the God of the universe for a lie to be restored God, I pray for restoration and reconciliation, and restoration for people's hearts and lives and families. God, I pray that you'd bring families back together, bring families back together, God. Bring your healing power. We break and terminate the assignment of hell on marriages in our church in our city in our state in our nation and around the world God we pray right now that you would pull back the covers that the enemy has tried to pull up to hide the fact that people are destroying their own lives by buying the lie God I pray for revelation to occur people's lives that they would see the hand of the enemy That we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. And that we are more than conquerors through you who loved us. Greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Help us to realize, God, that we don't have to be defeated by the enemy, but we can walk in victory because of who you are and who we are in Christ. God, help us to remember that we can do all things through Christ. He gives us strength. Lord, we just commit this and submit this to you and pray, Father, that this will be an amazing week of revelation. To see and sense and hear your voice and your direction in our lives, in Jesus' name.